0: As I promised uh, we have time for more questions and responses and I this time be quite happy if um, also anyone would like to bring up questions about meditation because as I said obviously I would come a slightly different direction approach and so you kind of use me Uh, if you have questions about your meditation at home or directions in meditation or issues, you're welcome uh, to kind of make use of me while I'm here Um, and of course we have some questions still, and you had a question, um, I hope you've not forgotten it Uh, we we, we have more questions on equanimity, so let's take um, a a session on questions, but I'd like to give you a chance first because you didn't ask before and you, you were holding on to it
1: Thanks. Um, uh, so I, I really liked your example of the grandchildren. Like, to me, that's my idea of what came to mind first of uh, the pleasure and the difficulties all, you know, swirling about right. in the same, same time. And um, I have a six-year-old grandson who's pulling away from me because he's... Growing up, and we've been incredibly close. And so I was trying to use your language. I feel my, my refuge mm-hmm. is flooded with feelings. Yes. And it uh, often, I am the one of equanimity amongst all the, these people going in <laughs> all different ages and directions. But yeah. in this case, I can't. Um, it's just a... I don't know what to do with it, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and 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 uh, maybe I can use your language too. I would say it's like a stance, the mm. autonomy or the sense of sense of mm. my own position is uh, uh, like unconditional love. You know, like yep. I can be the solid one. I'm a grown up. I'm blah 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 blah, and I'm just melting down <laughs> when he's like. Pushing me away, so mm, it's mm, uh, mm. its very lively, mm. and
0: it's—it's yeah. uh, um, it's similar to your question earlier. Um, and you really need equanimity; <laughs> it's really needed. And one thing is, if we um, regard emotional life. As just voices that are healthy responses of the being and not problematic but just natural voices. I'm, I'm just going to be honest that all the time in all these years and years of practice it's much easier for me to cry now than ever in my life before and much easier to stop crying. <laughs> it doesn't last, it just comes and goes like the kind of the, the, you know, a cloud over the sun and then the sun shines again. So it's really stepping back out of emotional life and containing it, welcoming it not shutting down the tap of emotional life but sort of seeing it as the voices of the heart and I, I really recommend also my answer to, the, to your earlier we can feel a little bit like, emotional life is like a river, and like a stream, and the water is making music, and we can just sit down next to the stream and listen to the voices, the music of the water, and it can be make us cry or can make us laugh. It doesn't matter so much, because if we are kind of more there with it, an equanimous, and sitting quietly by the bank of the stream, we can listen to the voices of the heart. It's just the heart's voices coming and going. So your grandson moves away and you feel, oh, oh, but then just looking at it again, oh, yeah, okay, it's just that voice and, and, and in me. And, and, of course, your love will be there anyway, so that, that there is a bigger voice, which is the love, which, which cannot be destroyed by the small voices of the stream going, oh, ah, uh, ah, uh. it cannot be, the love is going to be there. So, you know, it doesn't damage, the, the love is not damaged by um, the voices of the heart that uh, um, is like the music of the heart. So I do feel emotional life, we can be, if we're equanimous, it can be more music rather than a kind of banging drums and <laughs> so...
2: Uh, I really like your example earlier of um, your equanimity, uh, equanimous presence helping, you know, sort of dispel the energy between the Israeli and Palestinian. Yeah. Um, uh, I was was sort of trying to relate it to my own experience and how I've dealt with a difficult person or a difficult situation. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm trying to sort of figure out what the difference is in in being quantumous and in in sort of just being passive and mm. just taking whatever the other person's saying and i'm finding it hard to understand how to get the other person to not repeat their action in the future unless i react to it in some way that tells them that you know this is not correct but um Again, I, I, see the, I see the usefulness of you know, being quantumous and that kind of the, um, yeah. interaction.
0: So, um, actually, equanimity, I think, is um, it's a bit more like the story of my grandchildren that I told earlier, that the equanimity allowed me at the right time to tell my grandchildren, don't you think it's enough? and they got it, because of the equanimity. Imagine if I hadn't been equanimous, I would have said at the beginning of their, uh, their argument, shut up, you're making too much noise, you're fighting each other, and they would have said, no, we want to fight. you know, it would have just carried on the chain. The equanimity actually allowed me to respond in the right way at the right time, with more balance. So equanimity is nothing to do with passivity. It's actually active. And my story about Israelis and Palestinians was to illustrate that sometimes equanimity works when, um, when and nothing else will work. <laughs> and it's not that it's passive, it's active. So the, the, the Buddha once said, um, you have to be straight, like a ruler needs to be straight to straighten a bent arrow. You can't straighten a bent arrow with another bent stick. So, somewhere or other, your equanimity is a model. Um, We did a lot of peace walks in the Middle East, and the peace walks were Israelis and Palestinians walking slowly and steadily and quietly, silently, through Jerusalem, Tel Aviv, uh, uh, villages and the countryside, and we were doing it as practice, to practice modeling peace. What does peace look like? So, Israelis and Palestinians walking like that. That, that doesn't have language, we weren't talking, but we were certainly active and modeling what, what it's like, because no one knows in a situation of conflict, people don't understand what peace is like. It's just they lost the plot, <laughs> they don't know. What, So, I think equanimity allows action, it's not passive at all. Passivity is a bit more like indifference. When I was talking about before, it's a bit of escape. So equanimity, I think, is a basis for good action. You will say to somebody, "Um, I think this is not helpful, whatever they're doing to repeating difficult action. You may not succeed with another person hard-going, you may not at all succeed. But you're more likely to succeed if you're equanimous, and you can look them in the eyes steadily and say, I think this is not wise, this behavior. Whereas if you're reactive, they're going to be reactive, and you might have less success. So equanimity is not passive. It's active, but I think it's active with wisdom.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I think i got bits and pieces of the answer to this. It's just one word, Trump. (laughs) I'm really working on it. I've been really working on, you know, uh, the old Carlos Castaneda, find your petty tyrant. Mm. I can't make this one go away. So aspects of the equanimity help because Mm. that's an external force I can't control. And if I hold the peace and that homing inside, don't have to take it personally but it is impacting me personally So, anything you can add to that would be helpful
0: Um, I think that the only thing um, I can add, I think you basically got it Um, but one piece that um, my very first Dharma teacher uh, John Coleman no, it was after Goenka, sorry, Goenka was my first, but after, a little bit after Goenka, um, he had a notice on his door saying uh, the Dharma encourages confrontation, but not conflict. And I think that the equanimity allows us to say fully, consciously, no, and fully, consciously, yes. And I think that you can rest in that knowledge, this not, what that means, you'll go out and, you know, demonstrate, or you'll go out and join groups, or you'll do all kinds of things. But um, a sense that of clarity and steadiness also allows us to say no. I used to have a big problem saying no. I say yes to everybody, and I realized it's not helpful. And sometimes you have to say no. So if you're saying no, it gives you inner, inner peace. I'm saying no to this for sure, and now I want to go and do things in life. But that, that saying clearly no um, is, is uh, I think it gives, it, it allows us to rest, actually. Uh, and that's the only thing I can, uh, additional thing I can offer.
4: First of all, thank you so much for all that took place up until this point and uh, all the wisdom that was shared and I feel that what I'm wanting to bring up is always there, already there and to some extent already addressed and yet it feels like I want to ask the thing that is going to amp up the volume quite significantly and this is to do with uh, previously someone has mentioned post-traumatic and I think that we are all in a moment of pre-traumatic, right? We are in Mm. a pre-traumatic stage here. Um, And if we are talking about uh, sort of big critical moments in uh, despair in our modern civilizations, we are still kind of approaching something that we have absolutely nowhere uh, to have touched, experienced or witnessed the proportions of which and the... the, the, um, density of what's uh, forthcoming and, and so I, I, I would love to be able to hear um, what you what you're thinking about these days when you're uh, considering well one of the better titles these days is Extinction Rebellion but yeah Climate crisis, uh, massive extinction, and dire future, Um, you know, the loss of Dharma, so to speak, right?
0: Uh. (coughs) Yeah, I thank you uh, uh, deeply for that question, and I also thank you for how beautifully you expressed it. it really is just like that. And uh, I feel it deeply. And, you know, I have all these grandchildren. And uh, it pains me. Um, and I've been through this, you know, from this like, 60s. Um, we were born <laughs> in 1946. So, you know, I've been sort of seeing this Forty years ago, I was kind of seeing something like this in the future. And here it is. Um, but there is a painful situation that we will feel as pain, but what it does to us doesn't need to destroy anything in us, this pain It doesn't need to destroy joy, hope, love, happiness, and relationship with ourselves or our grandchildren. It doesn't need to destroy us. So the the key is, yes, we can feel a huge sadness, and I think we do, and I share it as much as you feel it, and I will go out and we'll do what we can. But at the same time, it... If it destroys our inner life, then we become, in a way, part of the problem. We, are, we lose ourselves. We end up having a miserable life. I don't think that's what God intended. We're not in control. We're not in control of things. We can, a little bit, you know, obviously make some change, as much as we can, in a territory that we have. And we do. And we will go out. And we will have help others, and uh, we will deal I'm living in a, in a village with a thousand people, and I've never had electricity from the uh, from the, the grid, we're off grid entirely, so I've been 40 years growing my uh, my own vegetables and keeping chickens and having all my electricity from a few solar panels um, so we'll do what we can but uh, I think it's important to feel that Karma is not something that we can control, we can contribute, and then we have to sleep well at night. And I think that's important. So be joyful and go out and do what you can and change the world. But change the world from joy, not as part of the misery. And not uh, pre-trauma means, you know, you, you're then you become part of the trauma. I don't think we can afford that. I think that the world needs us to be balanced, stable, joyful, and to give a model of something different. And uh, uh, that model includes a sense of being, and respect for life, and connection with life, and actually that's the kind of answer to the, what's destroying the planet, blindness, blind consumption. We could all, even 8 billion people can live on the planet perfectly well if they didn't all need to have meat, air conditioning, drive wherever they want, take a plane wherever they want, then there would be no global warming. 8 billion people could be on this planet. It's a bit of a stress, but you know, a bit of a load. But but, uh, without the need that not only 8 billion people, but everyone has to have a car and drive where they want, when they want, how they want and get what they want, and, and, and fill their house with, a, with, with possessions, and use up endless electricity and air conditioning, and what they would feel like. So, that's to meet, you know, endlessly. So, um, uh, so I think that we have to model a different way of life, and that includes being um, aware people. And living differently, and giving another model, and that another model has to include happiness. Yeah.
5: I was expecting something different. <laughs> That's good. And I'm grateful for what I found here. Mm. So thank you. Um, I am my my purpose for coming. Mm was to learn techniques Mm. to help me in volatile situations. Mm -hmm. Um, I live with someone who, because of a brain injury, sometimes becomes violent. Mm. Um, There are situations in New York City on the street when sometimes things escalate. And I'm wondering if you can speak to how i we can mm. meditate and train our bodies to be quicker to to be equanimous <laughs> to quicker to get to that space of mm. calm than what normally may be mm. Instead okay. of having to pull ourselves away and think about it and then up mm. and down and this and that. When mm. we're in the moment, how do we pull ourselves to a place where we can yeah. be in that space?
0: Yeah. So uh, some tools I have already given. And there's one more that I uh, still to come, which is very much the one you want. And um, we'll do it uh, a little later on. Um But, um, you know, fundamentally our arriving into the now and seeing it for what it is, is immediate and pretty well does the job, or at least half the job. So we're in a challenging situation, right? I remember um, (laughs) I was in a shop. And two guys, suddenly, immediately, fast as anything, like lightning, started to scream at each other and they were just about to take out knives. And I happened to be in the same shop. And quick as lightning, and this is in Israel, I spoke in English especially, in order to confuse them (laughs) and get their track, get their mind out of that track into another track. And I sort of jumped in between them and said, gentlemen, is that necessary? <laughs> Can you find another way? And it just happened so fast. And I was fast. But the only thing that made me fast was awareness. I kind of just clicked into awareness and said, I have to do something. And it didn't need thinking. It didn't need uh, a, a go and meditate and come back in half an hour. <laughs> it, was, um, it was the awareness. So we... Basically, it's 50% of the job is, be, is, is our skill at constantly arriving into presence, arriving home in the now, and doing it again and again and again. And we forget and we remember, and we forget and we remember, and we forget where we are, and we're just lost in automatic you know, behaviors and, and thoughts and so on, and then we remember. If we keep doing that, that jump, it will get easier and easier and faster and faster. So the practice works. We just need to keep doing practice uh, to go into the present and then the additional aspect of, um, of um, the wisdom that we have about seeing ourselves bigger than pleasant, unpleasant, risk, uh, uh, disturbability, uh, that's an addition. And that will grow too. And as I say, there'll be one more tool I'm going to... Suggest in a minute. You have a, a question? Yeah, there was a question.
3: I really appreciate the questions that are being asked. Yeah, as
0: great questions. Yeah, responses. Yeah.
3: Um, on several, um, in, in several instances, you just did it again. You referred to equanimity as. Like, the ability not to be disturbed, and I personally find that very difficult. I feel like I've been practicing equanimity, Mm -hmm. uh, not with the clarity of what we're discussing today, and this is a big Mm -hmm. movement forward for me, in terms of being able to have a larger understanding of various meanings of it, but when I hear this thing about the ability not to be disturbed, I am disturbed all the time. Mm And when I was thinking about the thing that happened to me recently, that was upsetting to me and difficult, even when I was recalling it, I was feeling disturbed. So what I have been thinking of equanimity as being is my capacity, and this has evolved for me over, since I started meditating five years ago, having a greater capacity to have a container to hold that very difficult feeling, which I'm calling disturbance. So I'm, I'm. Coming to this sense of Mm -hmm. what you're saying and what I'm experiencing as the difference between an absolute form of equanimity and a relative form or Mm -hmm. on a continuum of greater and lesser degrees of disturbance. So it's not like I'm not necessarily, not the ability to to have equanimity, but I'm not it would be wonderful if I could have more of it. Yeah. And I, and, but seeing myself in that comparison also brought up other things. Like, well, I want that. I don't have it. I'm sad because of it. I'm disappointed. So a lot of dynamics began to arise from it. Yeah. But, um, but I, I think you're showing me a path ahead.
0: You've said it beautifully. And, uh, and I appreciate your wisdom and your understanding. It really is there, and uh, you're right. Um, so, but let's just go one step uh, closer to the situation. If there's a spectrum, you're absolutely right. Now, what would it be more disturbable or less disturbable? What do I, what would it feel like <clears throat> when I said use the image of? Something that's challenging, working in us, and doing things that make us disturbable, or not working inside, and make and not make, and we are less disturbable. That working inside <clears throat> is firstly a lot of uh, constructions, mental constructions. Uh, patterns of thought, being a victim, they're doing it to me again, uh, loops in the mind that we have, conditioned reactions that we have, victim uh, attitudes, all kinds of uh, triggers of uh, self and messages that define ourselves as disturbed. So that it goes into the mind and the self that builds quite a lot of issues and and goes round and round and round. I mean, let's take Let's take a, a, um, something really, really simple, okay? We're on the, on the freeway, because <laughs> I've been driving around California, and I really didn't like it too much, driving on, on freeways. And I wasn't well, I was sick, and teaching, and driving on freeways to get from, from Santa Cruz to Berkeley again and again and again, and then Spirit Rock. And I... So I was thinking about this. There's an example. You're on the freeway, someone cuts you off, okay, boom, someone cuts you off. Super disturbable would be starting to get angry. How can they do that? Not only do they, all the drivers here are shit. They're always doing it to me. I'm doing my bit and they're terrible. And it goes on and you build up stories about California, about the drivers, about about yourself, about... Uh, uh, They're pissed off and you you come home pissed off and you shout at your wife or your children, etc. That would be maximum disturbable. Sort of much less disturbable would be someone cuts you off and you go, oh shit, that's really bad. I'm pissed off with this guy. But then you turn on the radio and that's done. Non-disturbable would be, oh, they went there. (laughs) End of story. Does it affect me? Not at all. They went there. I had to put on my brakes. Is there a problem? No. I just put, my, put on my brakes. That would be non disturbable. Nothing happened. The guy in front went like that. You could say, that's a bit dangerous. But <laughs> that's it. Nothing happened. So there are three stages, if you like. And I think we need to. You're right, absolutely. We move from. We move gradually. And I, get, I think you are doing it. And so, but you do have to be careful not to kind of build a narrative of, fa- of failure. I've been five years in the Dharma and I'm still, like I said before, the story of uh, people who come to me and say, I've been ten years in the Dharma and I still get angry with my husband <laughs> and therefore Dharma doesn't work. Of course it works, but anger, primal, primal is being an animal, it's, it's, it's being in the animal mind. It's, we're, we're animals. And how could we not be angry? And, uh, um, uh, you know, if gorillas and, and chickens, I have chickens, they get angry with each other and they peck each other. Well, why not humans? <laughs> so it's very primal. And so we, under- we have to understand that and be uh, understanding that, yes, we can get a bit angry. It, it happens. And, uh, and it happens after 10 years of Dharma. But it will be less all the time.
1: I found um, the technique, of, um, I, find, I find it very easy to go to the places of discomfort when I'm meditating. Yeah. Um, and so I found it very effective to go to the joyful places
0: right. which
1: um, don't really come to me naturally. And so I felt like a, a bigger space happened.
6: Right, right. We,
0: um, we tend to look, we have the negative bias in the mind. The mind has a negative bias. It's looking for trouble. <laughs> that's the mind it's looking for trouble
1: yeah and I, I just found it really just opened up and allowed like, I think a little bit like I guess a better understanding of how I could apply this in other
6: mm. situations yeah
1: to connect with the joy mm. when my children
6: are driving me crazy yeah and so thank you
0: that's great thank you yeah.
6: Um, I've been thinking about um, equanimity and uh, compassion and empathy Yeah. I think where I become the most disturbable is when I give um, a narrative or or decide on the intention behind someone else's actions it yeah. happened actually when I went out here I just some people just bump into you and they don't seem to care for your space mm. but you know there are so many alternative explanations that give others the benefit of the doubt and I think mm. that frees up some space yeah. maybe they're in a rush or maybe they're tired or maybe they just didn't see you yeah, yeah.
4: um
6: I, I don't know if that's helpful to actively kind of go against um these kind of set narratives that someone is doing something intentionally harmful um, You know, and I think it's part of our kind of protectionism to imagine that everyone is against us or talking about us, to just see them with as humans and maybe that would help open up space to not get so upset, you know, they cut you off because they're trying to get over there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
6: And in New York it happens a lot where people get personally offended by people's Behaviors.
0: Just, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think you're absolutely right, um, but I'd like to rephrase it a little bit and I'd like to tell a small story. Um, two people, it's a Tibetan story, two people were in the marketplace, and two friends, and one of them got hit by a stick. So he started to shout at the stick. And his friend said, that's a bit stupid, why not shout at the hand? ...that holds the stick. So his friend said, oh yeah, that's more sensible, I'll do that. So he started to shout at the hand that hold the stick. But then his friend said, that's also a bit stupid. Why not shout at the person whose hand it is? And he said, oh yes, yes, okay, I'll shout at the person. So he started to shout at the person. And then his friend said, well, you don't know who it is... ...and why they hit you with a stick. Maybe they haven't eaten for two days. Maybe they have real bad time. You need to shout at the conditions that made that person hit you with a stick. (laughs) So his friend said, uh, his friend said, uh, oh yes, you're right. And he started to shout. And then suddenly he said, but wait a minute, the conditions of the whole universe, everything is a condition. I've got to shout at the whole universe and I can't do that. And his friend said, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So um, it is very helpful to be able to see behind the eyes of the other person. And to be able to feel another person. You may get it wrong. Maybe they have an intention to hurt you. Or maybe they do not have an intention to hurt you. And maybe you do get it wrong because we do get things wrong. and it's But it's always helpful to see you know, what's going on with another person and then what happens is going to happen. You can respond, you don't respond, you know, everything is possible. We don't know uh, how you're going to deal with that. Any situation is is fresh and new, but certainly to, um, to feel another person, feel their energy, feel where they're coming from, that's really helpful in life. It's part of awareness. But... We have to be careful not to go into patterns. Like, to all the time, kind of, pour, uh, um, uh, paint everything pink. And say, oh, but definitely they have no bad intentions. Well, they may have bad intentions. And, and it's also good, help, important not to paint everything black. Say, so everybody that bumps into you is a bastard. Is painting it black. I think we shouldn't paint anything. No, not pink and not black um, but, but do as much as we can see and feel the other person, as much as we can uh, there w- it will always be limited we, but often we can see and feel another person much more than we do and I think it's well worth it, it's mindfulness so mindfulness is not just here, it's out as well it's in and out so I think what you're pointing to is very important and uh, and, and it's classic mindfulness in the world, as we go in the world. We had families and, and workplace and someone said something in the workplace, you know, the opportunity to look behind the eyes and say, what? Why? where did that come from? You know, where is that? Where's the source of that? What's the conditions that created that statement? Rather than uh, reacting, <laughs> immediately bursting from the de- defences or shutting down or, you know, whatever. But, it's really helpful. It's, it's sacred. Uh, Shantideva said, to put yourself in the shoes of the other is sacred. So thank you for that.
7: Um, just a follow-up on uh, what you said about how to manage how to manage ourselves during the, in, face, in the face of the climate crisis. Mm. Um, I've attended some, some protests and demonstrations recently, and I, I feel that they are very valuable, the, the raising of awareness that they bring. And, mm. um, but I always, feel, I always come away with a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth because I feel there's a lot of the energy that exists in acts of civil disobedience are often negative Mm. and they seem to me to perpetuate the negativity that they're responding to Mm. um, shouting blame and name calling and um, not all of it of course I feel like Mm. the stating of facts is valuable but it usually gets wrapped up in a storm of emotion and and, and name calling and blame so um, I wonder if you could speak to Uh, practice of equanimity Mm. in protest and civil disobedience.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, it's amazing, you know, I I have more experience, I don't really go to demonstrations, um, but I've been teaching a lot. I've been teaching activists for years, but I'm kind of, I used to go to loads of demonstrations and I just gave up. And I don't actually go on the I guess it's age, you know, 73, uh, enough <laughs> going on, doing grassroots uh, work. Um, but I do teach others. And um, one of the things, um, it's amazing in, in peace work, for example, how many peace organizations, when you go to meetings in the boardroom of the peace organizations, they're screaming at each other. <laughs> 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 um, and so one of the places of, I think, equanimity is modeling. Is modeling. And I'm, one of my gurus here is an American guy. I don't know if anyone knows anything about him, but he was in the. Uh, he wrote a book, he's called AK Must. You know something? I, I, read, I read bits and he sounds like an amazing person. He was um, protesting against the Vietnam War and he was sitting outside the White House with a, uh, as, as a vigil with one person and a ca- himself and a candle. And people asked him, um, what, can you really change the world? Are you just you? Are you going to stop the Vietnamese War? You're going to change them? Just you? Sitting here at night with a candle? He said, no, no, you don't understand. I'm not trying to change them. I'm trying to make sure they don't change me. It's so beautiful. And I think the equanimity can help us to find actions that are appropriate. And it may be just my action will be, I will not eat meat anymore, and I will not fly on any planes anymore. Whatever. Or my action would be, I will not connect to the electric grid just an action it's, it's, you could say there's better ones but so I think that, that our equanimity can help us to be careful about the quality of our actions look at the quality of our actions and make sure that they're right and then what we'll, we'll do we'll do um, so I think we need to model how to do things differently we need to be the model Because basically, people need models, and equanimity is a model. And uh, to model change, I think, is crucial. It's very easy to go out and shout at the blame. It's just like you say yourself, it's the same old stuff. Um, So, how to do it? (laughs) I don't know, really, every opportunity you can, but... uh, Uh, you know, every opportunity, everything is different. I don't know how to, can't give any advice on how exactly to do anything. It's got to be spontaneous, whatever's available, whatever whatever doors are open to you, go through those doors. But you go through those doors with equanimity, meaning you will not shout and scream and blame. But you don't also need to blame the others who are doing that. (laughs) If you see what I mean? That's your blame. You can even get rid of that blame. So time is passing, um, and uh, uh, I would like to do one more. You got a question? Okay, go ahead. One more question? Yeah. Can
3: we find
0: stress? Oh yeah, of course. We didn't have a break after. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's do that. Let's go for it. I'm sorry, I kind of forgot. (laughs) <laughs> let's go for it a few minutes but make it short because we're getting to the end of the day mm. oh yeah of course yeah like the peace walks we did the super equanimous we were just walking silently but remodeling another way of doing things in a the whole world is going crazy we were able to show, look, there's another way Israelis and Palestinians can walk quietly together, peacefully. Look, it's possible to be peaceful. This is what it's like to be peaceful. We were showing it. And it's totally autonomous. So there always is ways, yeah. And maybe you start a new organization called sort of, you know, uh, Economist Protest against, against Climate Change. You know, I mean, some find a new way of, yeah. <laughs> means, um, I would say um, modeling a different climate in, in, in here and out there as well. So, uh, what I'd like to do is uh, two, two exercises. One is um, a verbal exercise between yourselves. And I always think it's really important to verbalize. We're trying to learn more deeply the, um, some of the fine tunings in equanimity. So, what I'd like you to do, we'll just take fifteen minutes for this because we don't have time. Um, go turn to a couple, turn to someone next to you nearby, go into couples and freely, the two of you discuss examples where you have experienced natural equanimity. What I mean by that because we all know and we need to, um, it doesn't all come from the, the stage here and from the Buddha. And from Stephen, we actually have much more gifts inside us than, than often we take credit for. So, what I'd like to suggest is you go into couples and take 15 minutes just to, uh, sharing each other with each other stories of where challenging situations you were able to respond with absolute equanimity because we all have that in us already. We do have the power. Your example, for example. All around you is your family going crazy, uh, success and failure of the board game, and you just are there with your equanimity. That's a story of equanimity that you can share. It's that kind of thing that we all experience. So we maybe ten times we react uh, defensively to our uh, partner, child, parent, whatever... The 11th time, we, we say, no, I'm not going to respond like that. I'm peaceful. You can say what you like. But I'm here, and I'm steady, and I'm here for you, and I'm quiet inside, even though you've said something difficult. So we do have those experiences. Please share them. Take 15 minutes, okay? In couples.
4: Thank you for listening.